to your host, World Champion Fighting Up Dancer Rex Tiumalu. And today we have a very, very special guest. It's actually the very first female on the podcast. And uh, she is a legend in the Polynesian dance community. She is the founder of Teaho Nui. She teaches workshops all over the world. And just like me, she was a part of the Disney Entertainment family as well. Can't wait to get into that. She is such an inspiration to many people from the East Coast here in the East Coast, New York, California. She's taught all over the world and she has competed. And she is such an inspiration to all of us. Let's hear for Leolani, everybody. How are you doing? Yarana, aloha. Hey, guys. How's it going? Yes, yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You know, we... We see you all over, you know, the social medias with your with your content and all the Zoom classes during this crazy pandemic time. We're so grateful for you to open up your your talents to all of us, especially here in the in the East Coast that uh, especially my friend Yamel always takes your classes and my friend Precious in New York, like everybody looks up to you. So this is very amazing that you are a part of it. Thank you again. No, no, thank you for having me. I'm 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 just grateful that I get to have the platform to share, you know, that we're in a time um where Zoom exists and where we're more connected than ever. <laughs> yes. I mean I'm very thankful for that. So I think my first question is how did you get into the world of Polynesian dancing, Tahitian dancing? Like how did that start for you? What was what was your beginnings on your journey to where you are now? Um, so I started dancing when I was six years old, um, because my, well, I'll, maybe I should just start with who I am, where, where I'm from. Um, yeah. I was born and raised in LA and my family is from Hawaii. And so my mother and my older sister, they were dancing in a hula halau called Nalani under the direction of Kumukeali Sabalos. And so they were dancing, and so then I, I was a keiki, and the kumu was like, oh, we're going to start a kid's class, a keiki class. And my mom's like, do you want to dance? I'm like, all right. So then I just started dancing strictly Hawaiian hula um, up until 13 years old. And I got to compete at Ehula Mao every year, and I would always see Nonasina perform during the intermission. And I was like, oh, man, like, what is that? It's not like, what is that? It's so different than than hula um and then i was uh i turned 13 and i joined the wahine line in my halal and i got to do the merry monarch i was quite young yeah in the year 2000 i was 13 years old and i got to do the merry monarch i was the youngest one on the team and it was really intense and um i was like oh maybe I asked my mom, I was like, can I, can I try dancing Tahitian for a little while? Like, I've mm-hmm. always wanted to try that. You know, I just did the Mary Monarch and I think I needed like a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then I started dancing actually under Mevina and Tiana Liufau and amazing teachers. And I never actually got the opportunity to go back to my hula halal because I just got so wrapped into Ori. Um, from 2000 to 2012 and yeah I mean just from there especially dancing under Mevina I looked up to him so much and he was the one who actually told me about the Tokyo Disney contract yes and then when I was in high school I was like I want to do that when I grow up (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I ended up going to college Um, I got to go to UCLA and in my last year, my fourth year at UCLA, I auditioned for Tokyo Disney. And I got the contracts and I was like, oh man, how am I gonna tell my parents? Like I have one more <laughs> year of university, but I really wanna do this. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they were super supportive and they were like, yeah, go do it as long as you come back and finish. Like that's the only condition. You better come back and get your degree. <laughs> So um, in 2009, I got to go do the 11-month contract at Tokyo Disney, and it was great. Amazing, because that's, it's like, I think, I feel like even in that short span of time, you lived a, a full life as a dancer. Most dancers from, like, if they get Disney, they're like, oh, okay, after this, I'm done. But what keeps you going? What 
keeps you going into this, into this, uh, you know, dancing? What keeps you inspired to keep dancing and teaching? Oh gosh, that is, <laughs> that's such a loaded question. I know. Um, I was like, oh wait, when I was coming out of my mouth, I was like, oh wait, this. Is <laughs> right. I'm like, um, well, I guess you can say, as most artists would, that it is a gift and a curse at the same time because. There were many times where I was like, are you really going to do this professionally? Like, can you actually make a living as a teaching artist? And it wasn't until I got to university that I learned about arts education. And at the time, you know, I think it's just the way that we are um, trained as dancers in a hula halal setting. Um, It's it's never good enough. (laughs) How do I explain that? It's never good enough. Even if you place, you know what I mean? It's still never going to be at, at, it's just never there at the top. So in my mind, you know, I was wrestling with some demons in my early twenties about like, am I good enough? Could I do this? Why am I doing this? And, um, it wasn't until later, um, I kind of went, kind of went through a dark time, almost had, I guess you could say like a nervous breakdown when I was 25. Um, and then I went to Tahiti and I got to dance in the Hava and I lived in Tahiti for three months and I was just so moved and so touched and so transformed. And I was like, no, this dance saved, dance saved my life, you know, and I really want to share that with others. I really want to empower women globally through this movement, um, the style of dance, this, this cultural art. And, um, I just want to share that and all the money and everything else will just fall into place, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I mean, I'm telling you, bro, it's, <laughs> there's not, you know, as an entertainer, <laughs> we don't do it for the money. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. Like it's, it, yeah, there's a point because just like you, like I, I dance professionally too every week at, mm-hmm. at, you know, at Disney and things like that. And I'm just like, it, sometimes it does feel like a job. Oh, know? heck it, yeah, it is a job. Like, did you ever feel that in Japan? Like, did, did you ever feel homesick? Or <clears throat> I was going to ask you, what was that uh, experience like? I know we're kind of jumping around because, like, I was always curious about that show because I've seen all of my heroes dance at that show at Tokyo, you know, and uh, they ended up coming here to this. Yeah. Uh, to this Disney yeah. World. I wanted to ask you about that. Like, how did that build you as a dancer? Like, what was that cultural transition like? Oh, my gosh, man. I felt like that That was totally, I mean, it's the one job where you are an actual full-time Polynesian dancer. You're doing Hawaiian hula, oritahiti, and Maori poi. Um, five days a week, you know, four shows a night. That's 20 shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like you are you are doing the Disney magic way. So it's super strict. And then on top of that, it's Japan. So they're super, um, super critical of everything that you do and how you do it. And I felt like my dancing completely changed. It had to change. It had to be packaged into the way that they wanted me to be. Um, but other than the job part, it was amazing. Like I had had never even been to Japan. I had never been in my life and I got the contract and I was like, I'm going, let's go 11 months and dove right in. And I was in contract with, um, Nipua Murphy, who's actually Mavina's wife. Um, Yeah. And so she and I went on contract with these three other girls from Hawaii. One of them was already like in her third or fourth year there. Um, but we just had a blast. Like you're just with the girls 24 seven and you're, you're actually making an income doing what you love. And then you're in Japan, you're at you, Tokyo Disney. You know what I mean? Like we're shopping and eating different foods and exploring on the trains and going to the cherry blossom parties. You know, it's, um, it was a dream come true. And, and that whole experience really actually opened up the door for so much more. Um, I mean, even at that time, that's when Mavina started traveling out to Tokyo and teaching workshops. And Ori Tahiti was at like the very beginning birth 
in Japan. Um, Hula was already huge. I had went to a couple of conventions where there'd be like 30,000 Japanese people dancing hula. Wow. <laughs> At the time, yeah, they already had like this, this whole world going on, this whole industry, and no one really knew what Ori Tahiti was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I, that's, that's what I've seen in Japan. There's like a resurgence of especially in Tahitian culture over there, there's a lot of, I think Mavina and them kind of set the precedent over there for Japanese. And even the fire knife over there in Japan is getting big, which is such a crazy thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that that you had all those experiences. And, you know, that's what I always wanted to do. When I was, when I first uh, danced over here at the Lua, I was like, oh, the first thing I'm going to do is sign up for Japan. And they're like, no, they only hire girls. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, they only hire girls. And they're like, oh. And then you have tattoos. That's not allowed in Japan. Right. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. I, waited, I waited to get my, my tattoos until, until I was like 30 because I was just so worried about um, even getting gigs in L.A. or anything in the entertainment industry. You know, they're kind of strict about looks. Um, mm-hmm. But then, uh, you know, by the time I started, I was like, no one really cares. <laughs> no one's yeah. no tripping. Yeah, I feel like it's more accept. Not that it wasn't acceptable back then, but I feel like women having tattoos and all of that, that's all. There's a big movement in women empowerment, like you said, in the in the industry, not just in our industry, but everywhere, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, which I, I think that why I love that you're on is that you're a big advocate of that and that you're so integral of bringing people together in these zoom calls and things like that. But I want to take it back to, you said you danced in Tahiti. What was that like dancing in that, in the place where you love that style of dance? So what do you say? What was it like dancing on that, on that ground? Oh, it was so powerful. And, um, where do I even begin? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I always wanted to dance in the Heva. So I basically went on Facebook. I hit up everyone that I know knew in Tahiti at the time and, like, that I had met through Mavina whenever I would go with the, the group. I'm like, hey, um, do you know any groups that are competing? Like, or can you put me in contact with the chef, the, the choreographer, the, the group leaders? And, like, I basically asked, like, I don't know, eight or ten different people, and only one person hit me back. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Kehalani Shonki uh, of Hitideva, she messaged me back, yes. and she was like, yeah, 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 come, you can stay here, and I stayed with some of our dancers the first couple of weeks, and then I got to stay with her. She had an extra bedroom, and they were just so open and welcoming and warm, and... Um, the practices were hardcore. It was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And we practiced outside um, on a, like a parking lot. So it was just gravel. <laughs> and uh, everyone practiced wow. like with their slippers, like, you know, their, their flip-flops. Or some people wore tennis shoes or they were barefoot. Um, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hardcore. <laughs> um, but uh, there were so many times where the chef – Okay, how would be like again? I do it again. The whole the whole production, it's an hour production. Do it again, 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 and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like it was just we were just suffering. This was so hot. It was nighttime. Um, and we're outside. Oh it's, wow! It's nighttime. We're outside. It's just really humid. It's like Florida, right? I'm sure it's the same. Yeah, Florida is real. Yeah, yeah but it's real. Bad. I I just felt so grateful because I'm obviously not Tahitian, and just to be there dancing like with this group of Tahitians there, you know, like 75 women and like 40 Tane. And I was like, man, I'm so lucky. Like anyone would kill to be here. And I'm just so grateful that I'm here, you know, and I would just, it just made me dance harder because I was the American, which they would call me the American. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that must've been, that must've been a crazy, because that's one of my, my, um, my goal is to spend Fire Knife in Samoa, which is a funny thing because I'm Samoan, but I've never been to Samoa. Like the only time was when I was a baby and I want to give back to that. And for you to love the culture like you do and then go and dance in the place with the Tahitians, it must have been a crazy experience. So. Yeah, I'm I'm really grateful because um, I think at the time and earlier back then before Ori Tahiti started blowing up in Japan in the last 
five to seven years, um, a lot of groups were not taking foreigners. And it was really controversial when they did take a foreigner to dance in the Heva. Like, you are not Tahitian. You shouldn't be dancing in our, you know, this is ours, you know. So I just felt super grateful and humble and um, just really wanted to embrace every moment that I was out there. But I was also... Um, that was the time, like right before that, I said I was having a nervous breakdown because I was questioning, like, why am I, why am I doing this? Why do I want to be a professional dancer? I'm not good enough. I don't like. I'm never gonna be able to start my own group. No one's gonna want to be in my group. Like I was just torturing myself mentally with all these thoughts, and then um, my hair started falling out, and I found out that I had alopecia areata. Um, it's an autoimmune disorder where your your body attacks your hair follicles, and then your hair falls out. So. That was happening, and my sister was like, "Are you seriously still going to Tahiti when with all this help with all these health issues?" And I'm like, "Yes, this is like my dream." And so I went to Tahiti, and after a month of being there, I I was always wearing a hat, I was always wearing a scarf. I'll have to send you some photos, but like my hair, <laughs> like 75 percent of it was gone, and um, I ended up dancing in the Heva with a wig. Really. Yes, it was a trying time, <laughs> but it was also a beautiful oh. time. You know, it, it, it was a, a time of transformation and healing and, and realizing like what's important, you know? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad for that experience because I know you're going through a tough time and I think that's kind of what, oh, sorry, somebody's opening up the front <laughs> door. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> All right, I'm editing this out in post. <laughs> okay. All right, hold on. Let me move to the other room and grab the laptop. Sorry about that, guys. No, don't. I mean, is... it's, you know, you can edit it anyway. I th and I think you yeah. just want to edit it so you can make the episode shorter, right? Because everyone's like, oh, they don't want to listen to it. They don't want to commit to a long episode, right? A lot. Yeah. Well, most of the, it's, you know what's so funny? All the, like the fire dancers, they're, they, they're, uh, their episodes are real short, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. But the people that are in the Tahitian culture, it's like almost an hour, almost two, which goes to show you, like, I feel like there's a disconnect with all of us. You know what I mean? I feel like uh, us in the Fire Knife world, we need to be more out there showing the culture that we love. We need to make connections like you guys do. You know, there's a lot of ambassadors of Tahitian culture like you and many others. But fire dancing is, fire dancing is like that. So. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't, someday, I don't yeah. think it lacks that, but, but Ori Tahiti, and I realized this kind of young, and then it's the same thing in a hula halal mentality. Um, it's all about community, and it's really about bringing people together, you know, and, and we're dancing as one, and we're telling the story as one. And Mavina would always say that too, like when we were competing back in the day, he would be like, you know, like right before about to go on to San Jose Tahiti Fed stage, he's like, in this moment right now, it is all of us and it will never be all of us again in this moment. We may do tons more shows and competitions, but it's going to be in a different place with different dancers and different drummers. So, you know, really just in, embrace that and be here in this moment. And so um, it, it is really special that we can all share in our passion and love for Tahitian culture and the dance. And mm -hmm. um, maybe because like, you know, the Fire Knife, you guys have your solo stuff, you know? I mean, you're not always yeah. like, hey, let's choreograph a, let's choreograph a, a together, all three yeah. of us, right? <laughs> that would be dope though, but I mean, it's yeah. fire. That's actually a good idea. I'm gonna probably write that down and get everyone. <laughs> oh, can you hear me? Yes. So, all right, Mic check. One, two. Mic check. All right. A lot of editing to do in post. But yes. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm actually going to write that down about fire dancing with 50 people. <laughs> so Go for it. <laughs> but I think I, I'm a big believer in like you are who you're inspired by. You know, and any dance, any dancer pulls from who they're inspired by. Like who are dancers that you look up to uh, when you're getting into the game or when you were growing in the game who are the people that you look up to and who are people that you idolized uh and were inspired by when you're creating things or solos or things like that i'd have to say um 
For sure, Moina, of course. Of course, she is the best, world's best Tahitian dancer, for sure. Everyone knows Moina. And if you don't know Moina, then you better go on YouTube and look up Moina. <laughs> she was, um, won Best Dancer in 2011. And she also grew up dancing with Le Grand Ballet de Tahiti. And so I remember seeing mm -hmm. her, like, you know, in videos with Tiki and Lorenzo when she was like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Um, and for as a teacher, as a choreographer, as an artist, as a visionary, definitely Mavina and his sister Tiana. And I mean, I know that they, I was, they were my teachers, so of course I looked up to them, but, but really just in how they, they view expression and, um, mm -hmm. and how Mavina, like, I mean, everyone was like, oh, how come you have a guy teacher? Like, he does the girl, like, he makes up the girl dances. I was like, dude, he makes up the girl dances, the guy dances, he, like, the music, the costumes, the everything. He's just, it's all in his mind. And I've even talked to people in Tahiti that were just like, he can do it all. And, um, or like, I've talked to other Tahitian people that are like, man, he's more Tahitian than us. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. They're they're very, you know, they are creative. They, I think they brought a new sense of creativity to how America views, you know, Ori Tahiti and things like that. So, from that question, you know, um, transitioning from Nonusina, how did you? What was the idea for you to create your own thing? Yeah, you know, to create your own group. And another question to that is like, what are some things that you want to instill in your students? What are some uh, values and stuff that you always leave with your students uh, when they're dancing? Um, well, before, I think it, all my, <clears throat> excuse me, all my late 20s, I was just trying to make ends meet. So I was mostly gigging in Los Angeles and doing um, hula and Tahitian shows for different entertainment companies. Um, and then I taught a drop-in Ori Tahiti class. Um, I was teaching at your neighborhood studio. It's a studio in Culver City that just offers all styles of dance. And then I was teaching at the LA Belly Dance Academy. And then um, I honestly was, I was really scared to start a troupe or um, a school. And I was like, oh, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> Let's just start it, you know, and it's just going to be small. I was I was in a small studio space that can only fit 10 dancers. And I'm like, I'm just going to teach basic, basic Odi, like nothing more, nothing less, like just basic, accurate Odi Tahiti um, dance. And from there, it just kept growing and growing. And the things that I want to instill most in my, my students is definitely... Um, awareness and respect for the diversity of all Pacific Island cultures and Pacific Island movement. Um, I want them mm -hmm. to know that it's not about comparing themselves to other dancers, but it's about dancing better than the dancer they were the day before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And cause everyone's on their own journey and we can get so wrapped up in comparing ourselves to other dancers or other groups even. And then that's mm -hmm. only going to hold you back. You just waste all this time and energy comparing. <laughs> um, yes. And then of course, health, health and wellness. And that's, that's physical health. That's mental health. That's emotional health and spiritual health. Number one um, is, mm -hmm. you know, really taking care of yourself and when you can when you take care of yourself you can take care of the others around you your community your family and yeah hey amen a whole bunch of knowledge bombs <laughs> i mean i think that's what i love about interviewing people is that like we get to see you on all these social media platforms we see the end result but i love that we get to see what you believe in your dance philosophies and what you're inspired by because i i feel like that's building you know a relationship with the audience and us you know and i think that's that's amazing that that you have you know, overcome all of those all of those things so i was gonna ask what is like the most emotional performance 
uh, that made you realize like, this is what I love to do. This is what I want to do. You know, was there ever an emotional performance? You're like, either something happened on stage or in your personal life and you had to go out there and dance. Cause I think for us that dance all the time, like sometimes things life happens and we have to kind of carry that on stage with us, you know? And so what is like an emotional performance that you can think of? Um, well, I, I'd have to say, I, I feel like I get more emotional in rehearsals and in practices and training because that's really where the hard work is taking place, um, mm-hmm. where all the blood, sweat, and tears is actually coming through is in the studio um, when you're getting yelled at yeah. uh, by your kumu or, you know, for example, the rehearsal on the Merry Monarch stage, not actually the moment that you are competing because you can't have a breakdown. <laughs> you cannot lose it yeah. on stage. The show must go on. Um there, there was a couple times, like I'll never forget, I think I had been like 16 or 17 years old in the studio and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was just overcome with so much emotion. Like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to make a living just dancing. I don't know how or like, I don't know how I'm going to do it but this is what I'm going to do. And like, I made that decision looking at myself in the mirror. Like I'm good enough to be a professional teaching artist. Whoa, (laughs) that's scary. Um, And then definitely uh, there are a couple rehearsals for the Hava in Tahiti when we were um, outside in the parking lot and it's super hot. And I remember they're like, all right, do it again. We want the whole show top to bottom. And I remember everyone just being like, oh man, you know? And I looked up at Mm -hmm. the stars and I was just so overcome with emotion. Like, I am so grateful to be here. I'm not even Tahitian. Like, I'm gonna, we're gonna do this again. Let's do it from the top again, again, you know? And I think also because in Tahiti, they don't have, they don't use mirrors. And I've had that conversation with other dancers, um, like at the conservatory, that conservatoire, sometimes they cover the mirror with a drape because they don't want you looking at yourself. But um, you're so, I, I felt so strong and so beautiful and so powerful dancing there and not looking at myself in the mirror because I was losing all my hair and I didn't want, and I, and I wasn't able to see that. I can only feel what I was feeling inside. And I felt so empowered um, in that group, you know? And it's not about me, it's about the group, 100%. Yes. Man, I mean, that, I'm, we've only been talking for a couple of minutes, and I am like very inspired by this. You know, for me, uh, I was going in a lost, in a kind of a lost time as well like talking to you like i was like i'm dancing in in this dream place but i feel like it's like am i being fulfilled doing what i want to do and i wanted to start my my own group but i don't know if that's gonna work you know and there's a lot of a lot of people that do listen to this uh podcast are you know uh like 25 and under and they think about starting their own groups what are what are some advice that you can give them for starting like in the beginnings of starting a group what is and knowing that that's just an unknown territory. Some of them are just like, oh, I just want to open it and have no other job. I just want to do this. Like, what do you say to those people that want to make a living doing what we do? Because I think one of the things that I heard from one of my friends that are seeing is like performing, sometimes it's not a guaranteed life, but it's what you make of it. So what are some advice do you have for them that want to open up their own schools, want to make a living doing what what you do? Um. <laughs> no, that's another loaded question. Uh, well, <laughs> to all those young artists and young performers out there, I think they already know that this is a labor of love, and um, mm-hmm. nothing is well. Nothing was handed to me. Like I didn't come from a family or parents that had a studio. Um, I didn't come from a family that was like born like you. You know, you guys were born around dancers and performers. I had to work for it and mm-hmm. I I had to pay my dues, man. I, <laughs> I did all kinds of backyard um, luau party performances, all of the assisted living homes you can think of in Los Angeles. I was there. Um, and, and you mm-hmm. have to like, if, 
and man, there were so many times, there was like a four year span where I wanted to compete in solos, like all the Tahitian competitions going on, but I couldn't, cause I had a gig. I had to make money on the weekends. I, I couldn't drop like 200 bucks to go compete in Northern California that weekend. I had to go <laughs> do five backyard parties <laughs> in a day <laughs> to pay rent, you know? Um, uh, so just know that it's a labor of love. It's, it's, um, it is a gift and a curse. And when you are ready to start your dance studio, cause I, I remember asking Kehau in Tahiti, like, Oh, how did you start? I was 25 at the time when I got to dance with her. How, how did you start? When did you start? She started her dance school when she was 20 years old it was 20. in Tahiti. And most, um, artists do, they start like just teaching classes out of their garage. Um, and she said, when you start, make sure that you have a tane, make sure that you have a guy with you. Um, even if you are able to do the, the tane dance moves, the tane style, like it's, it's just going to be so much better if you have a guy. <laughs> but, um, and, and then I was like, what about music? Like, I don't, I don't have any musicians. And she's like, well, there's, there's recorded music. You can try and find that, but you know, you got to link up with, with musicians if you can, if you can find any. And that, that's been a struggle for me. Um, but, you know, just start small. Start with one class. I started teaching, I, God, I think I was teaching um, before actually teaching at those studios in LA. When I was going to UCLA, I started teaching once a week at the fitness center, the John Wooden Fitness Center on every Wednesday night, just a one hour basics Tahitian class. Um, and then, mm -hmm. and then I started teaching the drop in once a week at your neighborhood studio and then, you know, LA belly dance Academy and really, um, teaching helped me grow in my dance. Um, before, before even teaching in the studios, when I was at UCLA, I got to teach at, um, Linwood high school and Samo Santa Monica high school, um, for one of my courses, it was like an arts education class and really learning how to develop curriculum. So having, um, you know, basically when you teach a class, you need to have a standard, like the first five minutes is stretching and then the next 10 minutes is warm ups. and how are you gonna warm up and then across the floors and then choreography and setting out the time for each component. Even if you're not gonna follow the outline, it's always good to have an outline. <laughs> yes. Man, I'm like writing this all down. <laughs> like, I think all of us that are listening, I mean, we're we're learning a lot, and especially like we see, we see you teaching all over the world in the workshops. Like, how did that come about with workshops? Did people see you on social media, and, and when it was growing, and then you were just getting people were reaching out to you? Um, I really have to attribute all of my um, opportunities of teaching overseas. Really came from posting on YouTube. <laughs> I started posting videos really? back on YouTube, like in 2009 yeah. or 2010, I think I, I got to check. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I, at first I was like scared, you know, I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't want people to judge me. And then I was like, Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to start sharing. <laughs> you just you get over it. And you're like, who cares? In the end, no one really cares. Of course you're going to get dislikes. You're going to get thumbs down, <laughs> but whatever. That's life. You learn that like, in high school. <laughs> um, so I just started posting hella videos. So that's how people found out about me. Like if I was getting invited to teach a workshop in Hong Kong, it would be usually a group leader. And then they'd say, oh, we're going to have this, te this teaching artist come. And the students are like, who's that? And just go on YouTube or just go on Google. And they type in my name and all these videos come up. So really have, like, don't be afraid to share. You've got to share your stuff. Like that's just... That, you got to do it. <laughs> um, in Japan, after I did the Tokyo Disney contract, I was able to make some connections and I got invited to teach here and there. And then um, that spread to Taiwan. Um, and then from Taiwan, it spread to Hong Kong. And then I got to go to Indonesia, Jakarta. Um, I got to teach in Hong Kong, I mean, Beijing. And then my friend from who did the, the Tokyo Disney contract in, um, in Japan, she married this Australian guy. So then she invited me to Australia and, you know, you just got to put yourself out there and like, 
I mean, you can even ask. You can even go on Facebook and find a group anywhere in the world. Like Barcelona, actually, someone in Barcelona reached out to me. But if you speak Spanish, reach out mm -hmm. to anyone in Spain. Hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. I teach Ori Tahiti. Would you be interested in doing a workshop? Sometimes you have to pay your own ticket, um, especially if you're, mm -hmm. you're starting and no one knows you. Um, you got to pay your own way to get there. But after a while, you know, you build your following and you figure out a, a, a way to run your business. And I'm totally, you know, open to sharing that. And you go. We don't get sponsors, mm -hmm. though. This isn't like, I'm not getting like Nike sponsorship or anyone to sponsor me, really. You just got to do it yourself. It's that entrepreneur mentality. The mindset, yeah. Oh man, I'm, I mean, I'm learning a lot too from that because you you are right. A lot of people ask me when I post my workshops, they're like, "Man, these groups are flying you out." I'm like, no, not really. I I'm flying my own self. I just really want to like teach yeah. and get this out there. And sometimes they're like, you know, we can't really. Some some of them are like, we can't really pay you for it, but we'll help you get here and things. Like for me, it's all about. You know, I I don't know business wise, I might be not the best thing, but. For me, I just, I just have the same passion like you. Like I really want to go out there, and especially all those places, those foreign countries. I would love to see more out there. And what was it like being in Spain, Beijing, and all that? Are they still? Is there still a, like a Polynesian dance community yes. there still? Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot smaller. It's it's totally different. But I love traveling. Um, I love discovering new places, um, new cultures, and I love trying new, di like, different foods. A lot of people don't. <laughs> um, but I, I like adventure, I guess, and I really love seeing how um, – I love experiencing different qualities of life, you know? So, like, living in Hong Kong, it's, like, mm -hmm. such a city. It's like New York, you know? Um, but that's their quality of life, and just – there's so many different ways to view the world and so many different ways to view life. And I like, I like seeing all that and, and experiencing all that. And then if they're into Ori Tahiti and like seeing how they incorporate that in their life, like, that's even more awesome because that's what connects us, you know, but we're so different. We're on different sides of the world, but we have the same passion. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, I, I love that. I'm like learning so much from this. I'm very grateful for this. No, this thanks, man. I'm so like, I'm so happy Bro. you're even interested in listening because I don't think I've shared. I've, I've actually, no, I've never been interviewed like this ever. So you know, people are just <laughs> doing their own thing, and it's all good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I think that's like, like what's I'm a real big fan of of this whole art form. You know, I I might be a dancer in it, but I've always wanted to pick people's brains and like. I love I love it. I'm not I'm not that great of a dancer outside of fire knife. I try to do what I want. I mean, I try to do it, but like it's just seeing what you guys do and seeing like all of that makes me want to push out this not only just the podcast and but just more teaching and doing what you all have taught me, especially you have today taught me a lot. And I think this is going to well, I, I think I have a couple of questions left, but like what is the future for Nui, like what is where do you want to take it in the future what is your goals for it and i don't know if that's very <laughs> top secret information um but... <laughs> gosh a top secret i mean it's it's hard to say especially with the pandemic that's happening um f for example yeah. i really don't know when i will be able to get back in the studio and teach physically with my my students um with everything going on um Right. I mean, when when are the kids going to go back to school? Yeah. Maybe that's when I'll be. That's, mm -hmm. So that's that's my plan. Hopefully for this year is to just get back into the studio and actually be teaching classes physically with my students. <clears throat> but I can tell you what we did have planned. <laughs> you know, you know, that saying yes. it's like, oh, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him what you got planned. <laughs> Tell me plans, right? Um, but, oh, well, yeah. originally, before all this went down, I was supposed to be in Tahiti last week with some of my students for the Hava International 
and we were going to compete at the ODE Matavai solo competition and then dance at the World Cup and train at the Conservatoire. Um, so that all got put off. And then um, I was hope hopefully planning to go back to Tahiti in the fall for the Otahiti Nui solo competition. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't yes. know. I mean, are they going to let us? Are they going to let us? Is anybody going to let the Americans enter their country? Because our numbers are through the roof right now. <laughs> um, I wanted to teach some workshops in Asia. I've been meaning to go back to Taiwan. I have a deep love for Taiwan. I almost actually moved to Taiwan and started my school there um, back in 20... Yeah, what? back in like 2015, 2014. I was really considering moving there. It's such a great quality of life. And um, I just have some really awesome friends there. It's, it's almost like island. It is an island. It's, uh, but it's got that island mentality. Everyone's really laid back and open and it's really good food. And um, I'm hoping to go back there in September, honestly, and I'd love to teach workshops, but you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, and I really wanted to bring my students to Hawaii, Paris, to do solos there. I wanted to encourage my, my dancers to compete in solos more. I'm really trying to get them to do that. They want they all want to do group competition, and I, I would love to do that, but we got to get drummers, and that, that's been an ongoing challenge for me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'll come down. Yes, for drum. sure. Yeah, Let definitely. Please. That would be awesome. Drum. It's so hard to find <laughs> drummers, and it's also really hard to find Tane dancers and, like, retain them. Oh yeah, I was about to ask about that. Like, do you have boys in Tiaunui? Like, because like, I know we, me and Mavina talked about it last night. Like, there's not a, there's not a lot of boys entering Ori Tahiti, uh, which is crazy. No, um, no, I, I I do I do have I would say like a solid five Tane, um, but with everyone's schedules, mm -hmm. it's been hard to get everyone consistently together every weekend at practice this year so far. Um, so it's off and on. Mm -hmm. Like I, um, I can send you some video links of our guys performing with us, but for the most part, everyone really does see mm -hmm. the vahine, and you know, the vahine are always in the forefront of Ori Tahiti, which is which is cool too, right? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I'm not knocking it down. I mean, I love it. You know, I feel like, I mean, I, me being a, I think I always get flagged for. I'm mean, not black, but. I love watching Hava. I love the Tahitian culture and watching it and watching you all. So I think I'm like a big fan of that genre. I don't think I'll ever go and do a solo. So not, <laughs> I don't I'm think you need to do a solo up. though. <laughs> Can I mean like you haven't thought about like you've done group right or danced with? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've danced with that. Yeah, Hell yeah. Shout They're out awesome, to And I found Yamel on YouTube. Yeah. I think like eight or nine years ago. I was like, damn. This girl is so good. I've always been a fan. <laughs> yeah, Yamel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, we mentioned Yamel. Yeah, Mel is. She's uh, yeah. She's really like. She's really like practicing it every day. You know, and, like for you being a teacher, uh, and teaching. Do you still go out there and try to learn for yourself and try and gather more knowledge? Or are you just like oh, you know I, I will gather what I know? Or one hundred percent. Honestly, I that? wish I could take more workshops and more I could be in more classes of other groups but I know that's kind of weird because I have my own group and then also I'm a teacher so then I've been told too I've been told by a mentor once before like you shouldn't people's workshops like because you're a teacher and I'm like oh but no <laughs> hell no <laughs> like never stop learning never stop training yeah. um there's always information out there and and I'm I am a dancer first, firsthand. I'm always a student, number one. And then later, maybe I'm a teacher, maybe I'm an artist, but I, for sure, definitely a student, a student of life, a student of movement. Like I love taking other styles um, of dance as well. Actually at the moment, because we are in this quarantine confinement lockdown, I've been able to take classes 
with so many dancers like Yamel through Zoom, like Tahani, like Tahia, like Kanani Asuega. Like, it's freaking dope. Anyone you look up to, you can reach out to them and they're probably teaching an online class somewhere, you know? Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, I, like, I've been dancing way more than I've ever been able to because of this pandemic and working out more and um actually i really got into muay thai like two muay thai boxing like two weeks ago yeah muay thai oh yeah i saw that you're teaching in a gym is that your gym <laughs> it's um so i am quarantining with my family um in northern california in the peninsula and yeah my brother-in-law and my sister they set up this gym in the garage so this is the garage um, that's where I'm actually speaking to you right now. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so cool because like they put down these mats and then, you know, we got the treadmill and we got the new television, the Chromecast stuff and the weights, but I don't really, I haven't, I haven't hit the weights yet. <laughs> well, right, you're still keeping in shape with all these teaching and all, I think my friend from New York sent me a video. She's like, man, I love learning from her. I was like, oh, really? Like, let me see what you learned. She showed me. And she's like, but look at her personality. Like, you're just dancing around oh. hip hop, having fun. <laughs> I think that's. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I think that's what uh, I think that's what we need. You know what I mean? Is we, we need we need our the people that we look up to to show us, you know, they can have fun. You know what I mean? Just like us. And I, I think that's why, like, I, I couldn't have done this podcast without you. Because you're such a, you make such an impact on people in the South Pacific and the world, and I'm, I'm always gonna say this. Uh, I'm very grateful. But I think it comes to the the very last question. It's probably gonna be the deepest question of them all. But uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, what is the, what is the, the stamp that you and the legacy that you want to leave behind, either for your students or the the Polynesian team world or What is, what is something that you want to leave behind? What do you want to be remembered um, for? Yeah, that that's like, <laughs> that's a pretty heavy. That's a heavy one. Another load. Um, I mean, generally speaking, <laughs> and I, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on, I was like, man, if I was to pass away tomorrow, I would just want everyone to remember me as just being a very happy and loving person and just enjoying life. You know. Um, uh, gosh, but I, I feel like I have to share something that's a little bit more profound. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, no, everything that you shared was very profound. Um, yeah. Definitely for my students. Gosh, I just, I just want, I want them to love themselves. I want them to, um, to find their best true self <laughs> when they're dancing. Because I really believe that when you are performing or whenever you're on stage or whenever you're sharing your, your art, that you are in your highest true self. You are in your highest true being and form. And that's, you know, you know what I mean? Like when you watch someone spinning Siva Afi or when you watch someone singing or performing, you're like, that is the best ultimate version of them. And, and it's through, yeah, it's through movements, through art, it's through expression that you reach that. And that uh, I just, I hope everyone continues with their journey to to find their true best highest self whatever through their through their movement through their craft through their sports it can even be through sports or whatever you know yeah and i love that uh, and i think this i think this is like the perfect thing to end on is that and i want to say that you know, a lot of people that are listening to this, I really haven't. I know, to man. I'm like, this is the first this. time we're like, I'm like, have <laughs> we met in person? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think we ever, I mean, like, we've seen, I think we, the Polynesian dance world is small, but it's huge at the same time. And it's kind of hard because, like, this is the Fire Knife Life podcast. A lot of people expect me just to do fire dancers, but I'm such a fan of everyone. And I was a big fan oh, of thanks. you for a long time. I've been following your journey. Yeah. I've been following your journey for a long time. And, you know, I want to just say thank you again. I know I've said thank you. This whole thing is just because, you know, I see the difference that you've made on 
my friends, you know, you mail my friends in New York and even even the the girls that that dance over here in for smaller gigs that take your classes. And I think it's you're such a big part of our lives and you're always going to make an impact in, the, in our in our lives and in our passion. And I'm just very, very grateful to to have you on. And and this is the first time we're talking in the, <laughs> like ever. So, this, so guys, this is uh, this is a. Uh, that's why I'm kind of nervous. It's like you see, it's like you see a celebrity on on TV this whole time, and then you actually get to talk to them, and you're like, Aww, oh man, how's this gonna no, go? Man. You know? Nah, nah. Like I I feel like struck. we're just we're just fellow travelers. You know? You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we share the same. Yes, we share yes, the same passion. The so that's what connects us all. Yeah. Why yes. So where can um. Where can our audience find you social media wise? And do you have any next Zoom classes coming up? Uh, Definitely. Can, uh, um, come and join you. I am teaching a free virtual workshop this Sunday, April 19th. <clears throat> it is going to be at mm-hmm. 10 a.m. It's through, uh, well, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and this is actually being organized and sponsored by Tahani Robinson. She, yeah, she started this great platform where she brings on different um, teaching artists every Sunday. And um, it, where where do you have to go? You have to go to amuitato.com and to register. And yeah, and then I'm also teaching my regular weekly classes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And anyone can sign up. I basically I have a private Facebook group, and then I have people message me. I, I rather do it more like direct, just so that you know I know everyone that's coming into the group is not you know a bunch of strangers. You know they have to message me directly through Facebook. Like friend request me. My name is Leolani Gallardo. Or you can find me on Instagram under Dance with Leolani. Um, and just message me directly and I'll send you the information for the stream. And yeah, dancing three days a week, training three days a week, Nar Odi. Yes, yes. If you gotta if you wanna <laughs> get ripped, man, dance with Leolani. Yes, yes. Thank you again so much for, for coming on. Thank you for Anytime, for spending some anytime. time with us. I really appreciate it.